I hate the dogs. All dogs are. Have we talked about the dogs? No. What dogs are you talking about? The dogs? On our street. Yes. They're horrible. I, I went for a walk again today and the nine dogs didn't bark, but they're there. When I drove down the street, they were barking at an unsuspecting walker. So this is a long episode in our life. Episode, well, two years. Are you saying eight episode or our lives episode? This is probably going to be the longest episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> but the best. Yeah! <laughs> we finally have an expert. Not a dog expert. Are you a dog expert? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you this, like dogs? This, like is a strong word. Okay. So yeah. yeah. We we actually don't mind dogs, but I these like dogs. particular dogs at the top of the street are vicious. I want a dog to defend me. And they're they're in a pack, a pack of nine. Yeah, I, I don't deal like with the nine. Like the nine. See, I don't deal with non-rational animals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> this is why we brought an expert in. I was thinking Lord of the Rings. The After all these nine. episodes of talking about how we are non-experts, mm -hmm. we brought you John Varrier, the our expert. Exp our, the ex the our personal expert. That makes sense. I don't yeah, I, how do you I, feel about this? I got a little bit of a bone to pick with your underselling of your non-experts. <laughs> All right, well, we'll you're already it. picking a bone with us. <laughs> yeah, you, we that's already, actually the whole reason. Banter. Whole that's reason why I you wanted to come in. Yeah, I just I wanted to just say really. Okay, so eight kids and. They there is some evidence to point out that if you do something ten thousand times, it makes you an expert. <laughs> oh, mm -hmm. I don't know. So it how many diapers? Have, 10, how many diapers? Times. How many diapers? Oh. oh, there's no. Yeah, there's definitely there's more than ten thousand. There's you a think lot so? of diapers. Yeah. Okay, we might be really expert diaperers, but that doesn't make us expert parents. <laughs> so an an expert, when we look at a definition, it's somebody that knows more than most everybody else. And frankly, if there's something that we've seen from the pandemic, experts just know more than most people. <laughs> just know more than some else, some others. Fair some enough. other, a couple other so, people. Well, this is like I've always said: I, I could be president. <laughs> well, I, you didn't no, want to go. <laughs> there is no quality of experts. <laughs> I thought we weren't talking about politics tonight. That is not the topic. Our pre our pre recording <laughs> conversation is going to come back to haunt our guest, <laughs> and I'm not going. I'm just going to tease. Welcome back to another episode of Raising Eight. A couple of sinners trying to raise saints. This and is episode 15. 15. And, and we, we actually have our first guest. Finally. We finally, finally found somebody 15 who episodes later. We'd come on the episode on the uh, Someone the show. agreed. <laughs> Thanks, okay. John. Me. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, for the six people who are listening right now, and apparently one of them is your wife, we hope. <laughs> She said she wasn't going to listen skip to this. this episode. She's skipping this one, yeah. Great. We're down to five. Why don't you tell uh, our friends out there a little bit about yourself? 
Sure. Um, so or a lot. You can take up 45 minutes. I'm, yeah, we I'm can just actually that. we just stand here, drink and listen to you. That sounds awesome. Yeah. People love it when people just talk about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> that's usually everyone's most. That's, that's what? The that's whole point podcast. Of the podcast. <laughs> you shooting us down? <laughs> no. So I'm a, a, a clinical psychologist. I'm a licensed mental health clinician in Rhode Island. I uh, went to Franciscan University for my undergrad, and uh, then I went to Divine Mercy uh, University, which is used to be called the Institute for Psychological Sciences in Arlington, Virginia. And I've been in practice for since 2012, and um, I actually come from a, ra a rather family practice. Both of my parents are both clinicians as well. And they've been, we've been, this practice has been going on for 46 years. Wow. That's awesome. We specialize in, uh, in families, children, um, couples, um, adults, adolescent, adolescents. Um, and essentially we, We've always come at it through the, the Catholic lens. We've always approached it from looking at the individual person as from the perspective of the way that the church looks at the person. So we look at the totality of the individual. I like that. We like total people. Hmm. <laughs> and John, you and I actually had something in common. We just missed each other at one point in our lives. We did. We at, did. At St. Ray's in Pawtucket. Yeah, I, I went to St. Ray's and graduated. And then when they when I left, they said, well, now we can have Michael come. <laughs> we can stop bringing in as Catholic, a teacher. Catholic teacher. As yeah. It's already yes, been yes. established in the podcast that Michael is old. Um, <laughs> that is, that's true. We, over and over I, and I'm, over again. I might have mentioned that once or twice. Mm. Once or twice. Yes, we just missed each other. And the funny thing is we've talked about this. I heard the stories. Like people refer to, well, your mother was still working there, I think. No, she had just left too, right? Yes. So I, I heard about the barriers and the people I ran, the circles I ran in were like, these are good people. Course, you missed them. Some folks around St. Ray's. You know, and there's all kinds of interesting views and oh, yeah. stories about you. Oh. Oh, yeah. In I'm your sure. last year. I met my wife after college. She doesn't know any of these <laughs> oh, stories. Wait, oh, none of it. Wait. So oh, she's not story? listening to this episode. Oh, so by all means. <laughs> Share on. Well, the big one, we've talked about this, was, I believe, at graduation, right? The speech you had. Was it graduation? Yeah. And you were the... Well, what, why did you speak it? I'm trying to remember what you were. They asked me. They asked you to. Same reason I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> you just never say no. Yeah. Um, Who no, asked you? Um, I think it was the director of religious ed at the time asked me to give a talk about Catholic right. during Catholic Schools Week, what my Catholic faith meant for me from St. Ray's. And, hmm. you know, I talked about how St. Ray's is really good at compassion. And really good at um, getting us to sympathize and, and empathize with things people around us. They did struggle on some of the fundamental church teaching some of the times. And, you know, and I think I, I, I tried to highlight that uh, um, in contrast, that if we could marry those very well, it would really be a, a good thing. And that's that's going on about 18 years of memory. So uh, that's about, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, depending on who you knew some people took kindly to that and others did not then they hired you so obviously they listened to what john had to say well they were desperate 
it's not like they have, you know, thousands of people knocking down at their doors to teach. No, no. And when I became the department chair, we never had thousands of applicants, but we always end up with good ones here and there. So anyways, that was our connection. So you guys have Franciscan. We got mm-hmm. St. Ray's. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. The other thing we have a connection is that John has helped our family out. Yes. And we mentioned that three episodes or four ago. episodes ago. And that's why we thought it'd be good to uh, have John come in as a counselor and just to talk a few, about a few things. And as we always do, we'll see where the conversation goes. Is anybody getting a weird? How's the sound in your ears? I do this every episode. Every episode. He's got to check the sound. It sounds like everyone's talking. It might just be, might just be me. Do you hear? No, you hear yourself with a teeny bit of an echo. That's Maybe how that's it goes. What it is. Yeah, it's really get, okay. I have to get over this it. This is episode 15. I know we have new equipment. You're going to be okay. It's working. We're recording. I can see the little lines. Let's keep talking. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm here as actually a listener for, for you guys to let you know that there's no technical problems when we hear it. <laughs> See? Also, See? Spotify does not have a thing that you can rate. I noticed that. Oh, when I finally went know. on. I did go on and learn that. It's just Apple. Because I don't. Because Google doesn't either. So it's just Apple reviews. I find yeah, that interesting. I wonder why Spotify doesn't do that with their podcast. Apple's just more elitist. Mm, no question about that. <laughs> Everything we have is Apple. <laughs> Look around you. But we're not we're experts. so elite, but we're not we're elitist, experts. But we're, we're not elitist. experts. Desperate for a sponsorship from Apple. <laughs> <laughs> we're really trying. We're trying. We buy so much of their stuff. You know, I think we've plugged a company now. The last few episodes. So. Yeah, nobody's given us any free not, stuff yet, though. So. Gonna happen. Oh well. All right, so John, the, we we before the we started recording, we did talk about what should we talk about here today, and I think. I like the idea of talking about a very simple starting point here, the idea of picking a counselor, because we gave the advice of that, listen, if you're if that's what you need as a family, go look for a counselor. And we did talk about make sure if you're if you're Catholic, if you're Christian, if these values are important to you, you probably wanna find somebody who shares those values. But I Let's talk to you as a counselor. What are some other things that we can kind of give as advice to parents to think about when they go to choose a counselor for their for their kids or for their, them as a couple or themselves? Well, I actually, when you mentioned that on on the on the podcast, I actually think you guys hit it very well. Um, you do as as for most things, particularly when it comes to somebody that's helping influence or helping heal, particularly something that's of the mind and how somebody thinks. You want to make sure that that person has the, a very similar value structure. Uh, and one of the things that I suggest for people when they're when they're looking for for a clinician is to I- interview them. Hmm. You know, look them up. A lot of them, if they're listed on things like Psychology Today or they have a website, one of the things that they'll do is they'll list who their influences are. They'll 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 usually pretty straightforward about it, but call them and ask them questions. Ask them, you know, hey, you know, I'm I'm a I'm I'm a practicing Catholic, and I I believe in all of all of the all of the principles of the faith. Is that going to be a concern? Is that and they and they and some some will say directly, well, you know, I I don't really deal with religious affairs, or some of them will say, oh yeah, that's not a problem. When they say that, ask follow ups, you know, ask ask a lot of follow up questions. Ask. How do you feel about traditional marriage? How many genders are there? Ask them questions that are irrelevant for you. And if the answers are things that you don't necessarily think fit, I would say move on. Because it is it is a difficult vetting process for this. Um, 
you know, it is, there's always, a, it's a lot more in depth than when we look for somebody for, to do surgery. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's doing surgery, you want them to be a really good surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> don't How do you feel about shocking. surgery? Yes. <laughs> you, you do you really... understand the workings of the human body? Yes. <laughs> you want them to have just been somebody who cut a lot of people open <laughs> and knew how to put them back. Right. Yep. Um, you know, in that in that sense, though, when we're talking about this, is that we're talking about somebody who's dealing with the uh, mental health struggles that somebody has, but then also that involves a lot of ideas are very interwoven with that. One of the examples I usually give parents when they're talking about this for kids is um, when we're kids, we're sort of like a, a spring or a slinky. And what happens is, is that all of our emotions are wrapped up around that coil. And so they're very close together as it's really jam-packed tight together. And what happens is as we get older, that spring or slinky pulls apart and the coils become more separated. So what that means is when we're a kid and we're upset or we're depressed, those can look the same. It can look, it can look, we can see a kid, oh, they're just being irritable. Well, actually, in the definition for depression uh, for children, it's actually irritability is one of the symptoms mm-hmm. because that they're right next to each other on the coil. Makes Anxiety sense. and ADHD right next to each other on the coil. And so as they get older, those become clearly separated. We're very compact as little ones. And so with that, when we're thinking about psychologists for our children, that having those having those value sets are very closely linked to sometimes some of the things right next to other things. So when they think, okay, well, I, you know, I really, I really, I'm struggling with feeling of independence in myself. We don't want a clinician. You don't want a clinician that's going to go in there. Well, that's because you need to stop going to church. Like your family says, Hmm, right. And you want them to be encouraging of the value set that you have and help them develop their independence in another fashion. Hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what we did. I don't think we interviewed you. No. No, we played poker together. I think that was the interview. <laughs> that was the interview. Was that first? Yeah. We were playing poker already. But I already yeah. knew people who knew you. We so. played poker before? Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, Chuck's house. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, there so we go. So, I mean, you were a referral, so I think that's important, right? Well, plus I knew I could take his money. <laughs> <laughs> that never really happened. Great. <laughs> Well, okay, fine. Um, but the idea of good people that you trust kind of passing along names mm-hmm. is helpful too. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't interview you, but we kind of interviewed people who already knew you and got a sense of who you were. And then the first time, like, you and I met, we were we had all these things, oh, Steubenville in common and all these things. And I could tell right away we had very similar ideology and – Actually, I think I met your work. parents first at yes, we did at a the wedding. cone wedding. We actually all met at that wedding. Oh, you were there? We yeah. met you. Oh, at I knew that you were wedding? there. We're, yeah. You weren't at the same table though, of no. course. No. No, I was at the cool kid table. Yeah, of course. Oh. Yeah. yeah. You guys were at the parent table with my parents. <laughs> they went they the went older on, people. They went on the oldest the oldest. <laughs> they of the went two by of us. my husband. Oh, he's he's in oh, his forties. He, he can't be at the kid table. <laughs> yeah. He belongs at that he's, table. He's older. I actually had a lot of fun at that table. It was really fun. Your parents are fun. So anyhow, so that's a good start that if people are thinking, and I don't, I don't know, I, I have a lot of people that will, I'll I'll talk to and they'll kind of have this weird stigma. Oh, like your child sees a counselor. 
Hmm. Do you, you know, I get that a lot from parents like, okay, there's nothing wrong with seeking an expert where you need an expert's help. Like I, I don't have a background in psychology. I don't have a background in counseling. And, and so I can only do so much to help my children when they're struggling. But then just like I am not a bone specialist. And if I have a child that has a bone issue, I take them to a specialist. You know what I mean? And so I think maybe you could talk a little bit to that about that stigma that's out there. Yeah. I'm torn on the stigma. <laughs> you think it's a good thing? <laughs> oh, great. Okay. Wait a minute. I like so, where this is going. <laughs> I like a good a good argument. Go ahead. No, just kidding. No, so, I mean, I, I understand and I, I certainly think that where it was when it was a stigma, it was because that it was at one point in the field, it was somebody who was institutionalized, mm -hmm. who wasn't, you know, could had schizophrenia, had a very severe diagnosis. And pretty around real shortly after the really the 50s and the 60s, it really started to become much more mainstream and it was much more socially acceptable to go and, and seek therapy. There is the underlying thing is, is less to do with the fact that it's that, that it, the stigma being gone is great. I actually think for the most part, you, you had friends that experienced that for the most part, though, that's rapidly decreased mm -hmm. from where it was 20 years ago. Sure. Mm -hmm. And it's seen as being much more of an acceptable thing, right. which I do think is a good thing. The, the problem is, is that what role psychology has to take in, in our in our culture in some ways has actually is evidence. What I what I've seen it as is a couple things is one is that psychologists kind of repl have replaced the role that priests used to play in our culture. You know, just Bishop Barron, your, your favorite. Um, I, I love Bishop Barron. I'm semi joking tongue in cheek. But yeah, Bishop Barron, he talks about this in a couple of his books. And he writes, when people used to, from a Catholic perspective, when we were going to confession, when we were going to church, when we were at least culturally, the, there were these were norms for most Catholics not that long ago. There was something to that. You went to confession. You talked about Spiritual the bad things direction. in your life. You got a little bit of good counseling, if you will, in the sense of just, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. You should do this for being hopefully coached in growing in virtue. There's something to that, right? Because I found that interesting when he wrote that going, man, that's just so, yeah, that makes sense. Well, even when something bad would happen in a community, Ooh, they point. would go to the priest and they would say, well, how do we understand this? How do we interpret this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, when we see something traumatic happen, we have a panel of different psychologists who, who come from a variety of different perspectives and will tell you a variety of different responses to it. And so I, I do think that there is something missing about that. And I think that I don't think the stigma is as, as much about it as much as that it's taken away that element. Mm. And one of the things I, I've always kind of thought about with my profession is, is that if if we were better at being vulnerable friends, I, I probably wouldn't have much of a career. Because most of what we what we make up for is that we are, as a culture, we're resistant to intimate friendships. Mm -hmm. We've lost uh, a sense of that filial love, the the like the friendship yeah. love mm -hmm. that we have, and that that's something that we we, and that's a bit of an American thing. We we have rugged individualism where we keep it very separated, but that's certainly something that I think is is it certainly we we I. I I would like to think I bring a little bit of an expertise in some way, but um, as much as just doing some, knowing something a little bit more than maybe somebody else. And um, but I do think that that's a piece of it. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. The idea of uh, kind of like 
surfacey friendships, not really going beneath the surface. Like a lot of people call acquaintances friends. Oh, they I have lots of best friends. There's nobody in this room who does that. I just want to say that. Oh my word, but all the people that I consider best friends actually are very yeah. close to me. Or that? have been at some it's point like in my getting life. Getting out all these people participation trophies for being your friends. <sighs> Don't you dare compare <laughs> it to participation trophies. But I would say but in those relationships, you do go. Who goes beyond not surface? Just surface. With I agree people. with that. I just I'm able to open up with people in a way, so I'm able to get close to. Some people have like one friend that they can confide in, but I have multiple people throughout my life that I've been able to confide in and them do the same. Not everyone at the same level at the same time, because most of us don't have time yeah, for that. I would say. But I different have, points in my yeah. life. And maybe there's a guy versus girl thing a little bit going on here, right? The dynamic. Well, so there's a Counsel book. Counselor. There's a book. <laughs> men, men are from Oz. Women are from Venus. Yeah, th there is a guy thing that definitely plays a p part in this. But there's a book actually about letters from the uh, for the Civil War's generals. And it actually t uh, is a series of letters that the Civil War generals used Laurie to Laurie loves history, by the way. Yeah. You so know, they, it's my least favorite subject. Keep going. Yes, I know. Keep going, John. But they write back and forth to each other. And when you read them, the affection that they actually describe each other, you assume they're in a romantic relationship. Because actually the way that they would describe mm. their friendship was actually much more intimate than we're necessarily particularly comfortable doing that culturally now. Mm -hmm. And so there is a piece to that that we've we've lost. I think that I would play that more to culture than to necessarily th than, gender. than to gender. You see this too. I do a lot of World War II reading and you see this a lot mm -hmm. when the guys are talking about the friendships that they formed, especially when they lost their friends in battle. But that same type of these weren't friendships that I have some good friends, but this was something of a whole different level, which was beautiful. But kind of foreign to too many people today, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, we we have a very standoffish kind of approach yeah. when it comes to mas masculine relationships. Mm -hmm. And the other, the interpretation of it is, is that if it's if it approaches filial love, then it, it's it's probably it's probably romantic. We mm -hmm. and I would actually argue that that's cultural. That's cultural mm -hmm. across the board. Um, what you guys spoke about uh, the. Uh, the film uh, uh, Cuties the mm -hmm. other day, and and in some ways, that that uh, two podcasts ago, I mm -hmm. think, and one of the things that that I think touches upon is really the difference of they can't have a conversation about girls wanting to be independent without it becoming sexualized, because mm -hmm. anything approaching an idea of something intimate or emotional that might be has to be sexual, mm -hmm. and that's that's a big part of of really the the struggle that our our culture is in. Agreed. I was thinking when you were talking about the Civil War and, you know, I don't read a lot about the wars, but having read some saints and their letters back and forth to each other or even just, yeah, just people throughout our Catholic history, you see that filial love between saints and, and it's it's not that sexual love. And so, like you said, culturally, everything is over sexualized today. So there's that lost friendship, that deep friendship that we're supposed to have for humanity, for, you know, each other. But yeah, and it was like you said, it's a smart move. One of the things that you guys have mentioned that you've done is not actually giving your kids social media, you know, and really kind of limiting that in that way. Because if there's something that adds to that, it's well, I have friends because I've got, you know, 1400 Facebook friends who I occasionally give them a, a heart or a thumbs up or, you know, a like button. <laughs> and that's that, those are my friends. And yeah. that's a false sense. Yeah. Yeah, we fall into this uh, trap of that somehow these random thumbs ups are somehow affirming 
we need them to affirm our lives and what we're doing. And it's one thing from, I think, an adult to see that and go, oh, that's just silly. Although some adults don't do that. But I think balanced people do. But for kids, that's not. They, they play so much. They can play so much of a value on that. And literally, their identity becomes that blue thumb or that heart or, or the dislike, whatever. Although there's no dislike button. There should be. There's a dislike button. There's a there's a throw there's, up button. Is there really now? Yeah. On there's Facebook? Lots of buttons. I think so, yeah. I don't go on. I don't Lord, go on. I'm talking to two either. people. On <laughs> well, I don't think there is. <laughs> to be fair, the thing that I it think should be though the saddest thing for kids is actually, and this is where um, most of what a psychologist typically does is the saddest thing is that with kids in the social media, they don't have a sense of forgiveness. Mm. Something that they do when they're 12 gets brought up when they're 16, when they're 18. Yeah, we're seeing this all the time now, right? The because. We've had Facebook now for 12 years and we're seeing people get in real trouble or just being just ridiculously shamed on social media for something they posted when they were literally in eighth grade and now they're out of college. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Yeah. And there's no – but think about that from what that does to what somebody's understanding of Christianity yeah, is. Yeah. And, you know, even – and Catholicism puts such an emphasis on forgiveness. You know, one of the examples – And Catholics are so good at it. Yeah, we are. We have confession. <laughs> We're great. It's yeah. phenomenal. <laughs> Not a lot of them have confession. <laughs> That's right. No, I know. But too many Catholics today are fighting against each other on social media. That's kind of what's going on. Oh, I was turning it back true. around on social That's media. True. Sadly. The sad thing is that we see so many people, Catholics, who claim to be kind of representing, like truly representing the Catholic faith, killing each other, lacking forgiveness, lacking remorse <laughs> in how they tear each other down because they all have the truth. Anyways, I'm just saying like we're, we're undercutting that strength, if you will, of the Catholic faith. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's always a good example, I think, to kind of, you know, the, the acronym of KISS, keep it simple, stupid, um, is, is always a nice... I've never heard that before. Oh, no? Oh, okay. <laughs> Glad I could... Enlighten us. Enlighten you. Um, <laughs> what did I learn today with this counselor, this expert? In the yeah. And... Oh, stop. <laughs> I just needed a sound effect. I mean, oh, he said kiss. So embarrassing. <laughs> so one of the things about about that acronym that's really helpful is, is that if you go back to um, uh, the Bible with um, Judas and Peter commit the same sin against Christ, they both betray him. And it's entirely about how they actually forgive themselves. Judas doesn't and hangs himself. And Peter does and shows up and like nobody brings it up again nobody's like gives him a hard time john doesn't like go over and like heckle him you know that we understand it's it's he just shows up and it's like okay he's forgiven himself and he's been able to do yeah. it because it catholicism starts on the premise that we're all sinners yeah mm -hmm. we're all we all we all suck and <laughs> and you know it's like if we get in the comparison game of who's worse yeah that's that doesn't help us actually branch forward What's well, this idea that I was taught once by a priest friend? There's always somebody more Catholic than you are. Now he was doing that as to make the point of this: like, we're, there's always somebody who's going to be willing to say, "I'm better than you are because I'm more Catholic than you are," and tear you down, tear you down, tear you down. But again, that's contrary to the whole point of the Catholic faith, mm -hmm. the Christian, and the Christian life. The other one is loving your enemy, right? This works into this too. Especially, we were one of the things we were going to talk about is this heightened. Climate we're in right now, pandemic and riots and protests and oh, let's throw an election on top of all that and family and friends just destroying each other because mm -hmm. they're considering each other enemies because of who they might be 
voting for in this election. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that, you know, I think when we look at how we approach this in terms of family, like the, the notion of forgiveness is realistically that that's a bulk of what you do in, in good clinical therapy. You know, usually it's that we're harboring actually a, a guilt that we feel over something and we project that onto others. So at Thanksgiving, you feel you feel guilty um, that you haven't seen family. So you're, you, you make them the bad guy because they didn't vote for who you voted for. And you then that becomes the issue and it, you feel a little bit justified in it. Um, and, and guilt is really one of those things that um, it, it's probably one of the more – there's nothing in the Bible I think that actually suggests that it's it's a good thing. There's no point in which they said and, – and they felt guilty and it was good. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually it, – it, it's, a, it's a call to actually act. Mm. Um, and it's it, and when, we, when we embrace guilt, we actually choose not to. Mm. And a big part of that, that's and that's a big hurdle that a lot of people struggle with when it comes to therapy is actually a bit of purging some of that guilt and saying, no, no, no. Okay, yeah, you messed up or yeah, you know what? You don't need to feel guilty for that. That's not on you. And then dropping that and moving and, and being able to move on. But we forget that forgiveness of ourselves and forgiveness of our own actions and forgiveness of others is not something that is, okay, a one and done. For the most part, we have to do it usually continually, depending on how bad that pain is. Mm -hmm. how, um, so keep going on this road a little bit of, okay, we're in this political season. How do we help people navigate this and not lose their minds and continue to act like human beings who have the capacity to reason? Well, I think that's that's the, that. I guess I guess if you have a if you we have solve a, this, if, by you the have, way. if you have a podcast answer to that, I think I think you just made a made a million dollar book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think that when we look at how we 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 navigate this, is we actually it's, it goes right back to that same acronym. We just have to keep it simple. I mean, when we when we're trying, one of the things that um, is uh, is an important kind of lesson that we always have to think about is. What um, usually, if somebody hasn't asked our opinion, they don't want it. Yeah, and 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 sort of we're we're kind of when we when we interject it onto them, we're kind of forcing it onto them. And when somebody is doing that to us, it usually is that they really want to tell you something they, that 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 they fe they're feeling a little bit more than that when they really want to force it on you. And you know, we see this all the time actually when it comes to parenting. You know, when, when, when you have, when you have the, when you have the 16 year old who's like, you, you want him to be doing so much better than where he is, you know, and he's like, ah, oh, you know, you could see where he'll be in five years, but you want to get him there today. And it's difficult to actually have that, have the patience and being able to sort of accept, all right, well, this is kind of where he is now. I can't force that. If I force him to do that, it's going to take him 10 years to get there. And that's a big part of really where we when we look at this, it's, we apply the same principle of our kids and our patients that we apply to them, to uh, to our family, to our extended families. We, we notice that we get the best out of those relationships and also stay off social media. Yeah, because I think social media makes it way too easy. Right. I mean, back in the good old days, you, you had, had to, to sit had with to, somebody yeah, or you had to make a phone call you, or you're, are you sitting down and you're having a beer or you're, or you're having some wine and and choosing with somebody you really knew. 
And so if you're going to engage them, you have to kind of calculate the risk of that a little more because I'm sitting here in front of you. and It could go really badly. Well, if I'm really rude or I'm overpowering, well, if you're with some of my friends, it could easily have turned into a punch Fist in the fight. face. Absolutely. So you had to calculate, like, how am I going to approach this? Because I don't want to destroy my friendship. I actually care about the person I'm sitting with. I want to stay friends. But yeah, I do have something I want to, like, I want to talk about this. This is important. And they are my friends. And we talk about important things. Social media is complete opposite of that. These are all our friends and we just throw random articles and bombs and barbs can't do another b what's a, a barb a barb bots bots <laughs> thank you, you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, raising aid does not advocate bots by the way i just want to make sure it's clear do you even know what a bot is nope we could pay for bots <laughs> And really jack up. All I know of our what likes. a robot is. <laughs> yeah, it's something like that. <laughs> you really? There's like months and months of political talk on over bots. But anyway, you do know I don't get involved in political talk. Uh, I know. Anyway, that are historical. We're trying to solve discussion. problems here. And this has been a tough podcast for you so yeah, far. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done with <laughs> my whiskey. Went, I'm gonna need to kind of went silent since you since you did the kissing the sound. Conference. You literally went silent. <laughs> oh, I'm just listening. Keep going. <laughs> Anyways, point being is that like it, it does no good. We're we're trying to force conversations on people, like force ideas on people who aren't really paying attention. They don't want to know our idea on Facebook. So imagine if we all just stopped doing it. Well. The problem with, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not the social media expert. <laughs> I, I would just say that the problem with it generally is it's remarkably self-indulgent. Mm -hmm. It's not that good to be have mm -hmm. that much self-indulgence. Because <laughs> if you look at the ads, they're usually targeted or even like the ads of things for you to do like, what 80s TV show character are you? <laughs> or, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, what would you, what, you know, we'll tell you what state you live in. If you if you answer these questions, it's all about you. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, and so it's it has while there are other people around, everything is built around you and it's, it's just self-indulgent. Um, so, I mean, I think that that's at the core of it. That seems to be the problem. And there's also just not an ability. No, it's not that I haven't been listening. Don't look at me like I've <laughs> I've been listening. To, it's different than just the two of us. You're talking to somebody else, too. <laughs> <laughs> Give me such a hard time. You know what? I'm listening so I can make some kind of great comment. No, it's really not. But the idea of not being able to really dialogue, because that's, I mean, in general, I think society has lost the ability to dialogue as a whole anyway, but then take it to social media. And now you can just, just rant a comment and, and hit post I know that made an echoey sound yeah, when stop, I hit the table. Stop doing that, please. And <sighs> echo, echo, and hit post, and you don't have to, you know, you don't have to actually get in a logical dialogue. Whereas when you're talking to someone, or even like writing a letter, if you look way back in letters dialogue, you think more when you're putting your you're putting your words down on paper. There's not that instantaneous. You're waiting for an instantaneous. Thumbs up or, uh, you know, or you're trying to get I a rise you, on somebody or you're trying to. Right. Yeah. And I just think as a whole, I think it's it's hurt us more than helped us in the area of being able to have logical dialogue with each other on issues and anything. Well, Lori, it sets up an it's an unrealistic expectation. 
How patient mm -hmm. do you have to be with your kids? Very patient. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, how, if you want, if you want your youngest to be, you know, where your your fourteen year old is, uh, you know, and you want him to be there tomorrow, and you set it's those expectations, yeah, it's not. And you know, one of the things that I I, I think is a very helpful technique um, to do with this, and and it's something you can usually pick it out on social media, but it's the easiest thing to do is, believe it or not, as much as social media is part of our lives. Our families are actually the biggest part mm -hmm. and the people that we interact with. Mm -hmm. One of the best ways to actually deal with this is a key characteristic is don't use absolutes. Now, as, as a philosophy Catholic guy, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I'm big on absolutes. I can never do that. <laughs> Sorry, you I had to always say it. do that. <laughs> <laughs> We're really bad with absolutes, but yeah. thanks to you, over the years we've gotten better. Maybe I've gotten better. I've been more conscious of it. You haven't actually gotten any. Okay, this is not yeah. that positive. Five, five words: always, never, constantly, every time, all the time. And yes, those last two are more than five words, but. Um, <laughs> Five statements, basically, if you think about them in that way, you eliminate these kind of expressions. And what it does is it helps break down the the other person's response. So, for example, if um, if my if my if I go home and my wife says, you know, whenever you go over the Levines, you're always late. <laughs> well, wait, come back home. You mean yeah. she's like, you're always late you're whenever always you come late. home from the Levines. And I and immediately in my head. I'm not thinking that she's upset that I'm late tonight. I'm responding to the fact that she said, John, you're always late. Mm -hmm. So I'm in my head. I'm racking my brain Every for defense. Every time you've I've ever got, yep, come here. I've got, I've got artillery it. defenses going being like, all right, let me think. The last time was that? No, I was late that time. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> what I'm thinking, I'm going through my head and I'm cycling and saying, all right, all right. When was the one time where I was not so that I can disprove the always? Mm -hmm. And we end up arguing about whether or not that's true as opposed to addressing what she's actually concerned about, which is that I was late tonight. Mm -hmm. And part of the thing is that if we eliminate the, the absolutes from when we describe it with our spouses, when we describe it with our children, it's a really, it helps take the temperature very down mm -hmm. because it's much more changeable. And think about it from a kid's perspective. If they're always late, if, they're con if the room's constantly messy, if they never do their homework. What if their room is always messy? Yeah. See, but in your kid's mind, <laughs> there is the one time that, <laughs> that you had company it. over That's and true. they cleaned it. And that, they, <sighs> that is lodged. No, it's true. It's yeah. true. It's true. There was that one time. Yeah. <laughs> And they will that that is they they are taking that to they are taking that to the grave. That is they they had a clean room. And on your deathbed that will yeah. be brought up. And that's the thing is that we respond. Thank you. You're yeah. welcome. We end up responding to the to the extreme mm -hmm. instead of actually yeah. the point. And and that happens a lot with our families. It happens a lot with when we interact with our extended families. And if we literally just change a few words, it brings the temperature down so that not all expressions are, are have to be that dramatic. We're not Perry Mason sitting out there trying to convince the court. Is that too old of a reference? That's pretty good. All not right. for me, at least. <laughs> I understood the reference. Right. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, uh, is, you're, not, you're not trying to change the mind of a judge. You don't have to go out and make the most compelling case. And instead of trying to change all of the history and all of the problems of one thing, just try to change the one that you're actually upset about that affected you that day, maybe the day before. 
And that's a, it's a much more measured take. And it allows our kids to, particularly when we're interacting with them, it allows them to know what forgiveness is. It's like, no, no, I'm not upset that you did this 65 other times. I'm just upset about it for this one. Mm -hmm. So let's address that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's always a good kind of, um, it helps us maintain a little bit of measured uh, approach with them. And like you said, I think that works across the board in all our relationships, starting obviously with a spouse and then children, but then friends, family, because when you get heated, you tend to go to an extreme. It's just kind of because like emotions get in the way. And I know we talked a little bit about emotions earlier because I think that's really important to talk about. Because as a society, we've kind of come to this place of emotions take a very, very, you know, whatever role, a very primary role. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. So can you talk to yeah. us a little bit about putting those in perspective? Sure. And how you do that, maybe with kids, with family? Yeah. You know, it's interesting if you watch um, a news program, if you watch, you'll see a scientist go on. And they'll tell you, well, I feel when they actually mean I think. They'll mm. say I feel and then they'll actually tell you something that's, that's, that's actually factual. That has nothing to do with how they feel. It has no, nothing to do with an emotion. It doesn't have to do with them being angry. It'll be like, you know, you'll have um, like Dr. Fauci go on and say like, you know, I feel like masks would be a, would be a helpful thing. We, we, you know, and except no, he doesn't feel that he actually has he's got data that's saying that this is a helpful thing. And that's what he's basing his opinion off of. It has it doesn't actually have to do as much with the emotional life, but we put a lot of stock into it because we we think because our emotions are powerful. We think they're sort of the most important and where we should have our focus. In um in in in, our, in my practice, we actually have a tendency to um, the expression I always use is that emotion emotions are like children, small ones. You can't <laughs> let them drive the car, and you can't throw them in the trunk. They have to be in their little five point harness, where they can they can be very helpful. They can they can be a little annoying. They can they can definitely you can you can hear them when they're upset. <laughs> And it can be painful to drive a car with a with an upset toddler to five point harness. This is true. And but they can also be real. They can tell you when you've missed McDonald's, when you've missed the store, when you've driven by home. And the thing is, is that actually the reason why our our primary aspects we really have three. There's our our behavior, which is what we do in the world. There's our emotions, what we feel, and there's our thoughts. And this is what we actually we rationally think and we decide. So interestingly enough, any one of those being in control will put us out of order. And particularly when it's a dominating force, except for thoughts. So one of the things that happens is, is that when we, if we let our behavior go out of control, well, you know, we end up, our, it, affects, it affects the way we feel. And then it affects the way we think. So, you know, you might have a really good intention, you know, about your kids or your spouse. And then you just, you know what, but your behavior is, is that you're, you're at work constantly and you don't spend time with them. Well, that's going to affect actually how you feel and how you think about them. So one of the things that is probably the most driving force that we've missed on this is that placing some primacy on our thoughts. And 
there's a bit of a concern about this because that the there's a certain degree of our culture, and I think you actually referenced it the other day, Michael, when you were talking about the uh, uh, the Cuties documentary and that TED talk where they were talking about attraction. Oh right, yeah. And there's a notion that you if you don't control, you can't actually control your attraction because they really actually think you can tr control your emotions. Now, any of us with like a toddler knows mm -hmm. that's not true. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that that you, you mentioned, Lori, in one of the earlier podcasts, which is great. We we did it with all of our kids. He knows and more of what we've said in our podcast than we do. I'm, yeah, my edge of my seat. This is great. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember any of those podcasts. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, is that you, you taught your kids to breathe? Yeah, we. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know, it's amazing how quickly you can see a kid dysregulate mm -hmm. when they're upset, and you say, "No, no, take a breath." It was, um, we, we had one at 18 months who could do it and they would go and they, they didn't, weren't even doing a proper breath, right? yeah, yeah. but they would just but take they, yeah. and they, and they could con and they would, and they had some sense of control of something that they could do yes. and they lower their emotional state became lower. See, one of the things is, is that we know that we have an ability to control our emotions. Um, our, our culture tries to tell us not to, because in some ways they want us to actually just act on emotion. Because, like, we get a lot of stuff from emotion. Yeah. And you become impulsive and you buy a lot of Apple products or you buy whatever products it is. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Because I feel it, like it I helps the corporate America, quite frankly, to make money. Yes. I, I yes, agree. Acting I, I, on emotion. I, Apple products are definitely the impulsive buy. The reasoned ones usually choose Samsung. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, come on. Apple, well, if you want to advertise on Raising Aid, <laughs> six people will buy your product. <laughs> I don't think they're going to take it now. <laughs> they just got torpedoed by your first yeah, guest. Thanks a lot. You've ruined everything for us. But that's interesting because that's right. That's part of what's going on. And I think I used to teach a class at, at St. Ray's, ironically, called Faith and Values in a Media Culture. And then really the ultimate point was to kids, you have to understand how this is all built. Like what's driving media? What, what's the end game? Oh, Mr. Levine, it's truth. That would be great. And there are some in the media where that's truly what they're trying to do. But but corporate media, look who owns them and then look at what they sell. And the truth of the matter is, sad, and that's become even more so in the last 12 years, they're, they're trying to get you to buy stuff. I hate to break the news to you. They want you to buy things and to believe in a certain way that leads to you buying more things. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think the interesting thing is, is that... At you know, in some ways, we're uh, culturally we're a bit we're a bit like kids who have gotten a remarkably intricate electronic, and we have an instru instruction manual, but we've decided we're just going to try and play around and figure it out. See, the Bible is a hundred percent our our instruction manual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It tells you actually, listen, this is how to work your product yourself, your body and soul well. You can try it another way. But it's not like, you know, it's not going to go great. We're going to show you over and over and over again how that goes wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, it's really clear that like, you know, the people in the Bible who, who, who base their decisions on their emotion really struggle. And, you know, one of the things that I, I, th I always think is, is ironic is that, you know, the modern psychology, that was air quotes, by the way, for our listeners, <laughs> for not the other two people in the room. Um, <laughs> Uh, modern psychology is actually built off of uh, ancient Greek stories. So, you know, I mean, the fact is, is that, you know, th this is there's 2,500 year old stories that are the basis for modern psychology. The Bible is 
our template that's very clearly laid out for how we can best function and how we can get the most out of our lives. And one of the basic tenets of it is, listen, people who, who just focus on emotion, they're not going to do well. You know, Samson, not a great judge. Didn't, didn't go, yeah, that, <laughs> didn't, that didn't, yeah. Didn't go well. No. And, and, you know, I mean, that, and that's the thing is that when we see actually the, it doesn't mean passion isn't a good thing. It just means it has to be ordered. Right. We actually have to have it directed. And the way we do that is by our thoughts. Same thing with anger, right? Mm -hmm. this righteous anger can be very productive for the good. Anger for the sake of itself or out of I want to have revenge or whatever is destructive. Yeah. You know, one of um, sort of, you know, for for not everybody that, that wants to go and, and pick up their Bible and treat it as an owner's manual, a good example of kind of how maybe this works for, for all of us is I was um, – one of the examples I use in the office frequently is that a parent's job for their kids is imagine your child and they're about three or four years old and they're walking up a mountain. And as they continue to walk up, they get older. And one of the things that happen is, is that there's a guardrail that runs along the side of the path that they're on and it, and it hides a very steep cliff. And as they walk up, the guardrail becomes camouflaged with the background. So now they don't know where it is and they don't know where the edge and the limits are. And the job of a parent is to paint that an obnoxious neon color. <laughs> because even if the path gets really narrow, the kid can run up the mountain. And because they know that there's an obnoxious hot pink neon guardrail right there and they know the, where the edge is. When parents don't do that, when we don't express where where the limits are for our kids, where they have where 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 they have control and where they don't, we end up with kids that actually go up that mountain slowly. Their their emotional age actually stays stunted because they they get cautious. You're walking up, and yeah, you know there's a barrier there, but you don't know exactly where it is. You're walking up a a, a path pretty slow. And I know you guys are hikers, so that's a problem. Mm -hmm. I like nice. that analogy. And then yeah. they end up living in your basement at the age of 35. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, I, mean I hate that. Like, you see this right now. What's it's happening more and more and more. And because so many of them are just, they are so emotionally immature. Immature. But also, I think. They're scared like of you're making saying, decisions. With that analogy, there's freedom when you know the boundaries. That's right. There's a freedom that happens. And, you know, even talking to parents about discipline, for instance, mm -hmm. you know, um, setting the rules for it when you, I know you know more about this than I do when you talk with parents and there's this modern parenting that's free air quote, and you're letting your kids be free to make their own choices. Or, you know, even when it comes to, you know, I work in faith formation. So, um, well, we didn't, we want our kids to choose their religion. You know, this idea of that's freedom. It's a, it's a skewed vision of what freedom truly is. Um, and just that idea of giving them the parameters actually allows them to live more fully because they know where the boundaries are. They know that's going to lead to my demise. So now I'm free to truly live because I know this is going to lead to happiness because we all want to be happy, but we actually need the guidance to be able to find true happiness. And the world obviously doesn't have it because like you said, based on feelings, I feel happy when I buy this or I feel happy when I do this. And it's, it's all feelings based and, 
consumerism, basically. That's beautiful. Sorry. Why? Because I, I have to. So I'm not going to talk because that's I think it. that was very beautiful. I talk and you mock me. I'm not mocking you at all. And I have no I really more whiskey. Enjoy. Oh, for crying out loud. Checked out. Checking out. <laughs> in the corner, talk leaning against. Oh, get back over there. See what I deal with? You I don't know how you do it. You have to get closer. <laughs> there it is. I'm back. Thank you so much. <laughs> now that you're in my corner, <laughs> could you do a little marriage counseling while you're here on the air? Oh, give me a break. Yeah. I you're mean, the worst. You guys didn't pay me Stop. enough to do that for this podcast. <laughs> Fair I mean, enough. we got to have to renegotiate another day. Then. <laughs> Next podcast, Michael and Lori air the dirty laundry on air. Well, I was going to say that. Oh, what? Go ahead. That we should have John back because we could keep doing this and doing this and doing this. But then this would be like a, like a 20 hour episode and nobody wants that. Nobody wants to listen to a 20 hour podcast. I really thought it was beautiful, by the way. I actually wasn't mocking you. But you said it with such sarcasm. Well, that's part of just, uh, you know, I'm on the podcast, but I meant it. Okay. Thanks. I think he back started. To you, I, think John. He, I think he started in on sarcasm, and then and then and then he realized it and kind of dialed oh, it back stop. into sincere. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I think. <laughs> well, listen, John. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. This was a great conversation. Yeah. I think we covered a lot of ground. We'll do it again. We'll definitely. If you if you if you agree to come back and you know suffer through another conversation <laughs> with the two of us. <laughs> so give a plug for your uh, your counseling. So um, the practice is called the Family Counseling Center. Um, it's The website is www.familycounseling. Counseling is spelled the British way with two L's. So familycounselingcenter.com. Probably easier just to type in my name, John Barrier. Perfect. And we'll post that at, the, at raising8.net so that you can get to that link pretty easily. I've already posted it, I think, on the one that we talked about dealing with fear and anxiety, right? Yep. So it's already there, but we'll do it again. And uh, maybe I'll even put a headshot there and just really... Wow. Yeah, we'll you really, get a headshot. Oh, yeah. We're going to post I on want social, social media. I, I, I want traffic. Right, we don't so want to have a headshot. We'll post somebody else's headshot and then... <laughs> Stock send photos. Them, send them Stock your way. Photos. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Raising Eight. A couple of sinners trying to raise saints. Don't forget to go to Apple because they're the only ones that you can do. Don't rate us on Spotify because according to don't John do Barrier, that. that doesn't exist. You can't. Or join us on social media. We yep. do have our Facebook page. Look us up. Like the page. Follow us. Eventually, we're going to do a Facebook Live. From our new studio when we get a backdrop and we paint it because it's really disgusting. It's beautiful in the air right now. It has no ceiling tiles. Well, again, thanks for joining us. Yes. Thank you so much. And God bless.